Amen. So, I think many of you know Shavuot, what it's about. It started at this event that happened at a big mountain. And on this mountain was thick darkness. A cloud descended upon it. There was rumblings. There was an earthquake. There was a trumpet that sounded from the mountain. And as the children of Israel were led by Moses to the base of the mountain, and they saw, they beheld all of this, they were exceedingly afraid. And they said, Moses, Moses, you, you get up there. You speak to God because we're too afraid. We don't want to deal with that. We're, we're, we're happy being down here. There was this separation between the Spirit of God and the people at the base of that mountain. But God had a plan. He wanted something deeper, a relationship. He wanted something that Moses even looked forward to. Moses said, Oh, Father, if only all of your people could be filled with your spirit. Because see, Moses knew that that was what was missing. Because they were elders, they were filled. Moses was filled. There was pockets of leaderships filled. There were prophets filled. But the people as a whole, they struggled to experience God the way that the Father always wanted them to, to live the way the Father always wanted them to live. But then... 2,000 years ago, we get to the book of Acts, chapter 2, the famous chapter of Pentecost. They're standing in an upper room, this temple place. The same thing happens. There's this rumbling. There's a wind that entered. There's a fire, it says, that entered the room, and land, this fire lands on the heads of the people inside. And they start speaking in tongues. And they get it. they're astonished by this because they each understand the, their own native language, even though they're not supposed to. A miracle occurs. And then there are some people in the back of the room whispering, what these men? They must be drunk. This cannot be God's spirit. This is, this is, this, they do. And Peter has to get up there and say, guys, it's, it's not that time of day. These men aren't drunk. But see, what we start seeing is whether it's at Mount Sinai, the people being afraid, or, or if it's even at the book of Acts chapter 2 where they did draw together, but there were still some in the back of the room afraid of this new thing God is depositing. There's always two types of people. Either the person who says, Lord, even if what you're doing in my midst seems a little strange, because I bet you will seem someone walk on water is really strange. They were scared. Is that a ghost? They said. Sometimes it looks not the way we'd expect it to look. Sometimes God does something a little crazy. And, but, but here's the deal. What will you do if the Lord indeed is moving in the midst of you and if He's calling you to do that crazy thing? Will you be the person who says, this God would never do such a thing. This cannot be His Spirit. Or will you say, Lord, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to go wherever you went and walk however you walked. Because see, what's so exciting for me about this feast is, you know, we have Passover, Yeshua is sacrificed, it's our Passover lamb, unleavened bread, he's put in the grave. We have the Feast of First Fruits where he's raised. We have the counting of the Omer where God comes and tells the disciples, I want you to count down the, and wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. 
And then we have Shavuot happen. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit is poured out. And that's the last feast that was fulfilled the way it was. Because now, before us, we have a day of trumpets that's going to happen one day. When Revelation is going to come back with the blowing of a trumpet. We have a day of atonement where he will, we will be judged. We have a wedding, a Sukkot, a wedding supper of the Lamb. Those things have not been fulfilled yet because, well, as you know, that trumpet hasn't blown yet. He's not coming. He hasn't come yet. But now you're living in this season where the last feast that was fulfilled was Shavuot. And you're living in this place just like John the Baptist was sent by the Father to prepare the way for Yeshua. Now you are here to prepare the way for, the, for His second coming. John the Baptist for his first, you for his second. And Shavuot and the outpouring of the Spirit upon you was there to equip, happened to equip you to do that in this earth realm today. Amen. You see, I want to tell you a little story. You probably have heard about this one. It's a story about a man called Abraham. And he calls his servant Servant's name is Eliezer. He says, Eliezer, I need to send you to a land far away. I need you to find someone, a bride for my son Isaac. He, long story short, tells Eliezer, I need you to vow that you're going to find her. And if you go there, you don't find anyone, that's fine. I'll release you from the vow. Eliezer goes and he gets on 10, he takes 10 camels. And he takes his men and they start heading off into this land far away. And they, the first thing that happens is they get to a well of water. And as Eliezer starts realizing that there's these women, these virgins who are going to be coming out to fetch water, he has a dilemma. In fact, this is such a big deal. He looks up to the Lord and he says, God, how will I know who it is? How will I know which one? This is such a big responsibility. And he says, okay, God, what I'm going to do is the, the, the one whom I ask for water, who says, I will not only give you water, but I will fill your camels. I will know that that is the bride for my master Isaac. And so what he does is he just as he says this, Rebecca walks out in front of him and he asks her, can I have a drink? And she says, well, sir, I will give you a drink, but let me fill all your camels as well. Wow. I mean, do you know what that means? Have you seen, I don't know, we don't have these camels as far as I know walking around here, but they've got these big bumps on their back and they drink a lot of water. That's a few hours worth because you fill their stomach and then you have to fill their humps and there's 10 of them to fill. And she demonstrates this character, this love for a stranger, a neighbor, someone she doesn't know and to go and do this for him. Now, Eliezer, as this is happening, his mouth is hanging open, wide open and he is looking at his, and, he, and the Bible says that he looks upon this and he's like waiting on the Lord. Okay, God, what does this really mean? What do you mean, what does it mean? I already told you, this is going to be the sign, 
right? And so he goes forth and he tells her, look, this is what happened. You are the one that I believe is my master's bride. If you would come to me, come to my master's house, he will take you. And she says, oh, sir, let me welcome you in. She welcomes him into her household. Her parents meet him and he puts a ring on her nose. He puts uh, uh, jewelry on her arm, armbands on her. He adorns her. And, he, and then he gives gifts to the family. And then the family says, well, we cannot keep her from going. That's fine. But just one more thing. Just one more thing. Can she stay 10 more days with us? Just 10 days? What's 10 days? And he says, no, she cannot. She has to come now if she wants to come. And they say, well, let's ask her, Rebecca. What do you want to do? Well, I feel like I want to go right now with this man. She ends up leaving with him. They release her. She gets on the camels. She meets Isaac on the road far, as he's in the distance, and she veils herself. She puts a covering on herself, signifying I, she's saying, I am submitting under your covering, my bridegroom. Now, you may think about this point, well, what are you telling us this story, Petey? You see, I want to submit to you that there is a beautiful symbolic parallel in this story, and it's got everything to do with this season of Shavuot that we are all living in. What if Abraham is symbolic of the Father? What if Eliezer is symbolic of the Holy Spirit? What if Isaac is symbolic of Yeshua and Rebekah? of Yeshua's bride. You see, the Father came at the point where Yeshua said to His disciples, I am going to ascend, but it is good that I go, because if I go, my Holy Spirit will descend. And the Father sends the Holy Spirit upon the earth. That's what happened at this Feast of Shavuot 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit descends upon the earth. Why? For what purpose? To gather a bride for Yeshua. Because Yeshua went, I am going to prepare a house for you. Do you remember? My bride, I will prepare a place for you so that when I come, I will come and fetch you with the blowing of a trumpet and then we will have a wedding feast. So we're in this season. So the Father, just like Abraham sends out Eliezer, the Father sends out the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and what, what does he tell, what does Eliezer do? He gets on 10 camels. What's up with the camels? You see, in Genesis, we read how the Spirit hovered over the water. And until the Word went forth, the Spirit just hovered. And then the Word spoke, and the Spirit went and accomplished. You see, the, the ten camels are representational of the ten commandments, the laws of our Father given on Mount Sinai. The Spirit of God is always riding on the truth riding on the camels as Eliezer goes. And Eliezer comes to a well, as we discussed. You see, in this world, there are many wells, and there are many people around these wells, gathering, thirsty. They need something. They need to quench their thirst. Something is missing, and they don't know really what it is, just like that Samaritan woman who came to that well every day and Yeshua tells her, you're coming here every day because you want to get satisfied. 
but you keep coming because you keep getting thirsty. I have something to give you. I have a water. If you drink of me, you will never go thirsty again. And these virgins, Rebecca among them, similarly around a well, and there is a test before them to see whether, which bride will it be and which will be the one which is worthy. And what is the test? Will she water every single camel, every one of the ten? Will she water the commandments of the Father? Will she walk out the truth, have the love and the character to go to a stranger and love them with the knowledge of what righteousness looks like, but not just the knowledge of what righteousness looks like, because the Pharisees who came against Yeshua had the knowledge, but actually the love to, to help someone. And so this is what Rebecca ends up doing. She waters these camels back and forth. And what is the very next thing that Eliezer does? He gives her a gift. He gifts her with a nose ring. He gifts her with these armbands. The spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit at this point is poured out upon the chosen virgin bride. And as she is adorned in these gifts, and by the way, in, in what we, when I talk about these, I'm talking about something like the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of words of wisdom, the gift of words of knowledge. You know, when Yeshua was at that Samaritan woman, he told her all the things about her life he wasn't supposed to know because he had a spiritual gift of words of knowledge. You see, he was filled with the Spirit. He was exercising these things and now he's giving it to a bride and he's saying, I want you to do the same. I want you to be like I was. And so now he comes, uh, as he gives her these things, she invites Eliezer into our, her father's household. And like I said, the parents, they ask, well, can't she just stay 10 more days? I mean, it doesn't sound unreasonable. It's, it's just about, it doesn't sound that unreasonable as, you know, just like that man who came to Yeshua and said, well, can I just go bury my father? It's not unreasonable. That sounds, or, 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 you know, what else shall I do to follow you if I want to inherit the kingdom? Well, go and sell everything you have to the rich young ruler. But see, that's the same thing her parents told her or told Eliezer, well, what about just 10 more days? What about the 10 more little things to do in this world? The 10 more little, what is all the stuff that we could be? But Yeshua says, you want to follow me. You pick up your cross today, you follow me. It's now or never, you come now, or I'm leaving you behind. What are you going to do? Are you willing to let everything go to follow me? And they turn to Rebecca and they say, well, what do you want to do, Rebecca? Because it's her decision. You see, it's not your family's decision. It's her decision. And she says, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, I'm going to go because I choose to go to my bridegroom above all else, even though I love you. Think about that sacrifice she's making. And so she ends up getting on these camels that she previously watered. Now she's riding them. On the way to her bridegroom, she is riding the camels. You see, 
you're on the way to your bridegroom and you're supposed to be writing his commandments. You're supposed to be on them, walking them out, but in love, right? In the, the gifts that he has given you, using them, letting, and what, what, what does jewelry do? If, you, if she's wearing these things, the world sees, wow, there's a man, there's someone who gave that to her. You see, the gifts of the Spirit has to be so apparent on your life that the world sees you adorned with the gifts of the Father. And they see, they look, what is it about her that is, she is so beautiful? Who is her husband? Who could it be that ha- the, the man that gave her such amazing jewelry? You see, that's what your life is supposed to look like. As a glimmer of hope, of righteousness, of beauty to the world. And so she gets there and as he's in the distance, as, she, as Isaac's in the distance and she's on the camel and she sees him, she says, Eliezer, is that him? Yes. And she covers herself saying, I go under your covering. I am submitting to your covering. You see at Mount Sinai, they said, Moses, you go up there. You speak to God for us. You're our covering. But God says, no more. I am looking for a bride who will say, I will submit under your covering, Lord. I will come to you one-on-one. You see, a wife doesn't have to go through a servant to speak to her husband, even if her husband is a king. You're, you, the father is that king, and you don't need to go through anyone to speak to him. That's what he's offering. And he's saying, no Moses, no pastor, no, nothing is going to be the channel. You're going to come to me. Now think about this, at that well, there were many women. It says that there were multiple virgins. I'm sure there were more than one that was beautiful and whatever, but Rebecca was the one chosen. You see, there are many people standing around wells today, but only a certain few are chosen. And ultimately, like I said, brothers and sisters, the thing that was the thing that made Eliezer choose is the love that she carried. And so I want to ask you, look, you could, you could sit here, you could be, feel very wise, you could feel like you could win every debate, you could feel like you could, you're really smart, but at the end of the day, I'm sure there was some women there who knew their Torah really well, or who knew a lot of stuff well, but at the end of the day, it's are you willing to stop on the side of the road for a man you don't know? At the end of the day, you're going to stand before the Father and it's going to be, yes, you are the bride because of how you love. And if you didn't, you won't be chosen by the Holy Spirit because that's what happened. So I want to ask you that question. How do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in in the story of Rebecca? Because at the end of the day, 1 John 2 verse 6, he says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If the Holy Spirit, and this is the last thing I want to say on this, if the Holy Spirit, if Eliezer was not the one who, who led her on the way back to Isaac, if Eliezer was not the one who did it, she doesn't meet him. Just think about that for a second. Mount Sinai 
And in Acts chapter 2, when there were these some people who said, this is weird, this spirit thing is a little weird. I don't know if I want to be a part of that thing that God is doing, that speaking in tongues thing. It's a little weird. You see, if, here's the deal. If you don't allow you, the Holy Spirit to carry you, to guide you, you're not going to find your bridegroom because he has to be the one. You have to allow him to give you those jewels because here's the deal. In the ancient culture, and even maybe even possibly could argue today, if he's going to come to you and say, here's some jewelry, here's a nose ring, if what she does with that gift is going to determine what message she sends. If she says, that's really pretty, but thank you, no thank you, she's basically rejecting the one the gift was sent from. But if she says, yes, thank you, accepting the gift is accepting the one it was sent from. Now, I want to ask you the question, the gifts that the Father has set apart for you, the spiritual gifts that He has for you because He does, you're worthy. What are you going to do with that? Because as He's bringing it to you and He's saying, here's the nose ring and the armbands and the things, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to say, yes, Lord, I will wear it in boldness? Or will you be ashamed? Will you be the one who says, no, I, I, I don't want the world? Because look, when you wear it, then the world's going to look. And they may sometimes look weirdly upon you in jealousy, sometimes even in hatred if they don't like your bridegroom, because they know now you're a part of them. Will you be bold enough to say, I don't care what you think, because this is who I am. This is what family I belong to. I am part of this royal family, whether you think they're royal or not, I know who I am. Don't be ashamed. If you deny him in the open, at the end of the day, he's going to deny you. Amen. Right? If you are willing to be, Lord, I, am, I will look like a fool if I need to. I will give up all things that I need to give up. But Father, as long as I get you at the end of it, that's all that matters. Because she was willing to give up her family, everything that she's ever known, everything she grew up with. You, some of you are, were really close to our families. Can you imagine what that may have been like for her, being forced to leave everything behind? But yet she doesn't think twice and says, Eliezer, I'm going to go with you. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you would come in the midst of us, Father, this weekend as we open this up. And, Lord, I pray that you would come and show, each, show us and speak to our hearts, Father, about the gifts that you have for us. I pray that you would put a boldness in us, Father, to be able to say, I will wear what you give with, in pride with, because I know who my king is. I know what family I belong to. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would end this weekend, come and remove all the barriers and the things, the stuff that, that I ought not to have had in my heart. Lord, you are coming to refine us as you are going to return it for your return for the day of trumpets in the future. And I pray this weekend that you would come and expose everything in our hearts to us that is not of you, that is unclean, so that we could love the way you loved. 